What up? What up, Bills and Browns fans? Welcome to the Bills Browns Breakdown. I am Max. What's up, guys? This is Nick. And we are back with uh, another episode, another week, like I always say, and another week closer to the first day of camp for the 2018 season, which is about a week away. Actually, we're a few yep. days uh, we're a few days closer than we normally are because we're recording on a Saturday, which is kind yeah. of uh, out of place for us. So, yeah. Uh, so, so get pumped. Get season, pumped. Season, let's go. The season's here. Yeah, buddy, man. It's uh, um, I mean, what? The, uh, somebody's already in camp. I think the Ravens are in camp right now, right? And yeah, they there, there, a little early. There's a couple teams that were like, for some odd reason, were scheduled a lot earlier than everybody else. I don't know why. Well, you know, we got got some teams in there getting some work in. I keep seeing stuff on the Twitter, uh, you know, about teams moving equipment and getting ready to go. Uh, it gets me all excited and giddy inside. It's like it's, you know, it's like the five days before Christmas is really what it boils down to for me, and that's how I feel about it. So uh, yeah. we're there. I, I can't I can't wait because we're gonna it's gonna give us some more content to talk about. You know, we've been we've been. Uh, trying to gather as much as we, we could over the last month to uh, put a show together. And uh, it's going to be a little easier now. I feel Oh yeah, like. for sure, man. It's going to be, I mean, we're going to have tons of things to talk about when camp comes up. There's going to be news every single day for both the bills and Browns, but we're also going to have a bunch of news going around for just the NFL in general, you know? Um, but we did actually have a couple things that, that broke out for, uh, for NFL news over the, over the course of this last week. So it's good for us. It is absolutely, so, and I want to apologize now for my my energy level is not where it usually is. I, if he's watching this video, I look tired as fuck because Last Chance You season three came out, and I got suckered into that and binged watched like five episodes last night, and uh, it's just a very entertaining show. I was telling Nick before we started the show because he's never seen it. If you haven't seen that show and you're a football fan, you need to go watch it because it's just super entertaining, and I love it. Can't help. I mean, I was about to say, like, I kind of feel I, I've heard about it and it's been on my watch list for probably a couple of years now. And I always forget about it. And, you know, you get busy, you start diving into other things. And, uh, you know, it's just kind of slipped my mind. But ever since you brought it up, it's, it's one of those things I'm going to have to check out, man, because it seems like it's pretty a pretty interesting, uh, pretty interesting show. So. It, it's just crazy because the coaches there, I mean, they have these players for like a year or two, maybe max. And, uh, you know, like this season, it doesn't look like the head coach knows anything about X's and O's. It's just like talented kids on the field. And I'm like, it blows my mind. Like there, it doesn't seem like there's any organization, but, but yeah, if you haven't seen it, check that shit out. Cause it's super entertaining. And if you Apparently, haven't seen, if you haven't seen the first two seasons, you can just jump right into the third season. Cause it's a new school, a whole new show essentially. That's what I was saying. Apparently, it's addicting because you stayed up super late yesterday watching. I, it, so. yeah. I didn't go to bed till almost four a.m. my time. So that would have been yeah. It was at what seven a.m. here. Yeah, that's what time I woke up this morning, man. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's crazy. But yeah, dude. Um, we had some uh, like I like I kind of alluded to earlier. We had a little uh, little news breakout over over the course of the last few days here. I think probably. The biggest thing that we saw was the Le'Veon Bell situation and how that yep. kind of played out uh, as far as his contract goes. And it almost seems like now we're we're looking at potentially Le'Veon Bell not being a Stealer next year. Yep, yep. Which and is crazy. 
It's a good thing to kick off quarter one with. But, uh, yeah, you know, I was looking at it. You know, a lot of people are very salty. Like, just, not even just Steelers fans, but just other fans in general. And um, I've heard people say he's also stupid for not taking what they offered originally. Um, honestly, man, I think from a business standpoint, I understand what the Steelers are doing. I understand Le'Veon Bell is one of the best running backs in the game right now. The fact that he's getting to an age where for running backs, he's considered kind of getting old, right? So The other side of the hill, like, you know, he's, right. finally, he's at his peak kind of trending downward for sure. Right, so to lock, somebody, lock a running back in for another, what, five years or whatever the deal would be, for that amount of money, I could I could totally see from a business standpoint why the Steelers don't want to do that, especially when you can find running backs that are maybe 60% of him or 70% of him and that can produce. You saw it whenever he went down and uh, D'Angelo, it was a D'Angelo Williams, I think, yep. came yep. in and t- tore it up too. So um, I understand where the Steelers' thinking's at on this. And let's not, let's not like just – think that Le'Veon's not getting any money. I mean, dude's still getting paid. Right. You know what I mean? Like, um, but I, I, I definitely see him playing for somebody else next year. And I think he'll still produce and somebody's still going to give him a pretty solid contract. I don't know if it's going to be as big as what the Steelers offered him this time around, but, um, they hate the one that he turned down, but, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that, how that plays out next year. But it sounds like his agent was pretty much like, nope, He's not going to be a Steeler next year. The yeah, and it's I, I think it's just because you know when you look at look at what has transpired with his contract over the last few years, uh, you know, playing on the the franchise tag, it's a good faith effort from the Steelers organization to try to lock him up long term. But Le'Veon Bell and his contingency seems to think that uh, he is worth more money, um, you know, and they keep saying pay the player, not the position. The problem is, is that I think if he goes to open market as a free agent, and I thought this last year with the wide receivers, but maybe, I, you know, I, I obviously was not fully correct in, in, in this outlook, but it almost seems to me like the free agent market for running backs is not going to treat Le'Veon Bell very well considering you know we look at the factors of how old is he going to be uh going into next year um you know kind of kind of looking at the the downward spiral of uh, of running backs you know once they hit that 30 year old mark you know it's one of the things i'm concerned about with LaShawn mccoy this year is he's 30 years old traditionally running backs don't have a great amount of success once they hit that age uh so you're only going to get theoretically a few more years of really productive football at Le'Veon Bell. That's going to hurt his value. Um, the, the years you get out of him are going to be solid, but you know, that's, this is one of the things. And then also look at like you alluded to running backs in today's NFL are, they're not quite a dime a dozen like they used to be mm-hmm. now prime, you know, your prime time running backs, like, like Zeke, you know, Zeke comes in, dominates very good situation for him to be in, but he's on the, you know, he's on the, the good half of, of a 26-year-old running back. Like, right. he still has plenty of years of prime left. So, if you sign Zeke to a five-, six-year deal, you're fine because, you know, you're, you still got five to six years of really productive football out of, out of that player versus Le'Veon yeah. Bell, who's going to be 26, 
uh, going to be 27, excuse me, next year, uh, going into, into free agency, you know, you only got a few years left. So, uh, you know, just kind of boiling all those factors and, 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 you know, contributing or, uh, uh, combining all those factors together here. I, I don't necessarily know that he's going to get much more money than what the Steelers offered him, uh, for him to stay in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Um, so that's going to be something, uh, to really see how that plays out. And I know there's going to be teams next year that might want to try to move on from their running back situation currently and, and would be, you know, willing to look at that. But, you know, I, I just don't necessarily know that Le'Veon Bell is going to be getting the, the contract that he is expecting um, just from all those factors. So, yeah, you know, touched on Zeke though, even, even with Zeke, you know, like the, his style of running is very aggressive and, the Steelers hand or the Cowboys hand, hand him the ball a lot, right? Right. Even for a guy like Zeke, I mean, eventually the wear and tear is gonna gonna eat him down, and yep. who knows how long he's gonna play in the league? I mean, he just takes a lot of punishment, you know. Well, so that's the nature of physical running backs, man. You know, like I think I think the reason Lashawn McCoy has been able to be as successful as he's been is that he's not a physical runner. He's a guy that makes you miss, mm-hmm. and really he he protects himself very well when it comes to taking hits so he doesn't take a lot of big hits and I think that helps you you know prolong your your life as a running back in the NFL so you know but Le'Veon Bell's the opposite like Le'Veon Bell's a physical runner he's a he's a patient but physical runner so you know those kind of those style running backs like once you hit 30 it's almost like you hit a brick wall and I mean yeah you can look in the past like I mean what Sean Alexander was one of them I remember him with the Seahawks and all of a sudden like a year after their his, his, like, really good season, a couple seasons, he was just, like, nowhere to be found. I think he got Adrian, cut. Adrian Peterson, man. Yeah. Another example. It's, um, it's wild. It's just, like, the drop-off. There's no, like – like, with Peyton Manning, you kind of saw it after the surgery and stuff like that, and then he kind of went. But, like, some of these running backs, man, it just happens, like, right away. There's not even any kind of, like, signs of slowing down in Bam. Well, so. it's, pretty, it's pretty consistent across the board of when it happens, and I think that's why NFL teams look at it as a – you know, might be might be looking at the the Le'Veon Bell thing as a deterrent from long term deal or what he's looking for from a deal. So, and and you know, like for them to say don't look or like Le'Veon's people to to say like don't look at it by as a position thing, but like it's really it's hard to not hard to do, do that. You know, what I mean, because you look at a quarterback, you're like, okay, if you're a franchise quarterback, you have a lot of years and you're probably the most out of anybody, right? Uh, as long as you, you know, cause you're not, you're not taking hits every play like everybody else. Um, and then I'd say running back. I mean, would we agree that running backs probably the most, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, I mean, it's probably, it probably is the most devalued most position ab- from yeah. 10 years ago. Even I was going to say right. most, most abusive, like the most. No, from, it, right. And, and part of that, part of that comes from, uh, I mean, just this is the nature. I mean, you know, running backs have a tendency to get more touches. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You have one running back, typically, that's your workhorse back. If you have a third down, you know, Livian Bell's a three down back. Right. You know what I mean? So he's almost on the field all the time. Not every time, you know, like not every receiver is going to get the touches that a running back does traditionally right. throughout right. the course of the game. So because of that, more touches means more hits, means – faster wear and tear yeah so yeah but we'll, we'll we'll see what happens with that um it's not does he i thought i saw that he's gonna be holding out of camp right or no 
potentially. Um, it's going to be, that's going to be something to kind of monitor uh, going forward here. But I mean, it happened last year and he came in, it took him a game to get adjusted, but he was fine. But you know, that's just one of the things, you know, I, does he do that for another team that comes, you know, that, that comes calling next year, that sort of deal. You know, there's a lot of factors that play out with that. Right. And, you know, um, a lot of Bills fans here think that maybe he's uh, a player to target in the offseason with the amount of cap that they have. And, you know, we might die. I want to dive into that a little bit later. But, um, you know, it's gonna, there's going to be teams that are going to show interest for sure. So, yeah. And there's there's a lot of big free agency, you know, names out there for for next year. Yeah, for and, potential, uh, yeah. You know, uh, LB, or, uh, Odell Beckham is one of them. Yep. I, th- I think I think it really depends on what happens with the Giants this year if he's gonna if he's gonna go back. So we'll see. It should be an interesting offseason. Oh, for sure, absolutely. But uh, you know, speaking of that kind of thing, and you know, another thing that popped up that I just saw before we started the podcast today was that Andrew Luck was cleared for camp. Yep. I mean, I shit, I can't well. re- can't remember the last time that dude suited up for a game. So that's I think that's good for the NFL in general. And obviously the Colts, but um, having him back on the field. Well, I heard that he isn't going to be, you know, throwing every single day that, uh, you know, for camp. It's not like he's going to – and they even came out and said that, like, hey, don't expect him to be throwing football seven days a week. You know what I mean? But that is a good sign for the Colts. <clears throat> Uh, and a team that was actually like surprisingly last year, um, they were the number one team uh, in terms of going into halftime with a lead. They actually had more, they went into more games, uh, went into halftime with the lead in more games than any other team did last year. The Colts did? So, yep. Um, huh. That's after, uh, after they acquired Brissett actually. So interesting. Bush comes to shove. If, if uh, Andrew Luck, you know, has a setback or whatever, they're not in horrible shape, but that's a team that kind of, s- to monitor because I mean, obviously the Andrew Luck factor is huge for them. You know, I mean, whenever you have a quarterback of Andrew, Andrew Luck's caliber, you're going to have a better opportunity to win games, man. And he's going to be, you know, that's going to be the, the key component for them, especially with a new coach. You got a new OC there. Uh, things are kind of starting to look up, you know, they had a pretty solid draft this year. So that's good news for if you're a Colts fan. Yeah. That's terrific news. And, you know, if you're a fantasy football fan, that's something to keep your eye on going forward uh, for camp for the Colts. Absolutely. And as bad as their defense was last year, because it was probably worse than their offense, you know, having luck back to, to make that offense better to pick up the slack on defense will definitely help them out a lot. Do you have any, uh, do you have any concerns with him going into, into camp like that? I know that they said, uh, you know, he's going to be ready to go, but, do you think it's concerning with the amount of time that he's had off um, because of this injury uh, with, you know, before going into camp or it, it's been pretty wild. I, I'm not really sure. I think for him, like, I mean, I think there'll be some rust there for sure, but I think that I think he'll be okay. I think so too. Um I'm, if, I'm anything, curious. Maybe, if anything, maybe it helped, you know, having that rest. I mean, we don't really know what was going on for the shoulder. They didn't really give us too much. Even last year, there was like this conspiracy theory about how like they, the ownership and stuff knew that the Colts were not going to be good next year or last year. So they just had luck sit out anyway to heal his shoulder. I don't know if that's true. 
if they were going to sacrifice that, but who knows? I mean, very plausible, right? Uh, I, to me, I think, I think it's kind of a little bit of both, you know, the best of both worlds there. I, I do think that there was still some, you know, some medical things that, that may have cropped up during the course of that time that they're like, Hey, we need to give this a little more time. We don't want to rush it sort of deal. You know, I mean, obviously that's a big piece of your future and your franchise. So you don't want to rush him back into, you know, something. And then at the same time, it's like, Hey, we don't really have the pieces around to make you as successful as we want to anyway. So let's sit you out. Let's get you, make sure you're a hundred percent right. And if we suck this year, so be it. It means we get a decent draft pick and a pretty, pretty top heavy class. So, you know, it kind of, kind of worked out in their favor a little bit. You know, with the with the timing of everything. So, I don't know. Well, it'll be a good thing to also look forward to uh, as soon as camp starts here next week, and Ooh. as the season season progresses. Um, you know, I think another some more news that that came out, and uh, I didn't know that it also changed again until Nick told me before we started this podcast, but. Uh, you know, it came out that the Miami Dolphins had their own little uh, anthem policy that they were going to uphold, uphold. And uh, apparently that changed already. So it's funny that the, the national anthem debate still rages on. That's oh, crazy. Football. Uh, whether or not that just gets people talking about the NFL or what the motive is behind why it's still a relevant thing. Um, you know, it, so it came out earlier in the week that the NFL was going to, or it came out earlier in the week that the Miami Dolphins were going to punish and fine players that knelt during the, or, you know, during the national anthem, uh, based in, you know, in contingent with what the NFL's policy was saying that they were going to do the same thing for players that came out on the field and did that. Well, about a day after the Miami Dolphins not announced this, the NFL comes back and says, "Hey, we're actually at a standstill with the NFLPA, so we're gonna with we're gonna withdraw that that rule that we had about the national anthem, mm-hmm. and we're not gonna punish the players uh, if they decide to do this this year, based on just you know back and forth working dialogue with the NFLPA to find a you know a common ground and a and a, a good solution for you know I, I'm not gonna say problem, but you know for uh, you know what's going on with that situation, so." it's real funny because the Miami Dolphins like publicly released saying that they're going to do this. Well, they didn't publicly release it. I should say that it did get released to the public in some capacity. Uh, The Miami Dolphins weren't the ones that necessarily pushed it out from what I saw. So, you know, this comes out NFL says, Hey, we're going to actually withdraw this rule. And so the Miami Dolphins had to essentially issue a retraction on their rule too, saying, yeah. Oh, based on what the NFL had in place, this was just kind of a placeholder for us. And now that they're working on dialogue, we fully encourage it. And we're not going to punish our players now. But the funny thing about it is, is that I did see that the Miami Dolphins weren't the only team to submit that rule, uh, rule change that they were going to punish, you know, from a team basis, a specific team basis. I guess there were other teams that submitted something similar to what the Dolphins did. But for whatever reason, the Dolphins rule was the only one that got out publicly. So, you know, so they weren't the only team to submit something like that to the NFL saying that this is what they were going to do. And it just was unfortunate that they were the only ones that happened to get out in the public eye. So, 
but it's funny that how that all played out, and I'm sure the other teams issued a similar retraction saying, hey, we're not going to actually do this now. So uh, just something to monitor going forward. I don't – I mean, we've, we've talked about it before. I'm here to watch football every Sunday. Right. You decide to kneel for a, for a social justice issue – Props, man. If it gets people talking about it and gets the dialogue and the the movement going, cool. You know, if right. you know, just because I I don't think that it's a uh, a red, you know, or a, um, a a bad, you know, look for our country because you decide to do that doesn't mean that other people don't feel that way. I totally respect your opinion on it. I just don't feel that way, and I'm just here to watch football. So yeah. Yeah, I'm going to continue doing so. And I thought they were allowed to stay in the locker room if they wanted to Correct. anyway. Which, Correct. Yep. Yeah. But yeah, hopefully it's not a big deal this year. I I think it's it's really annoying, honestly. Um, but yeah, I think uh, that will do it for quarter one. We're today this week. Uh, you know, we've been if you've been listening to the show, we've been breaking down position position groups um, with the Bills and the Browns. So we've done what we've we done so far. We've done the so secondaries. Mm-hmm. We've done the receivers and tight ends. And did we do linebackers? We no, did. We kind of we we did in a way. Um, but th- this week, I thought it would be cool to break down the offensive line. The old hog mollies, man. And uh, quarter two, we can start with the, start with the Browns here. And I wanted to, to kind of dive into the offensive line because I, I see a lot of Browns fans – and maybe some other people who are like, they they, they kind of talk shit about about the offensive line, especially now that Joe Thomas is gone. And when really when you look at the the stats last year, the Browns' offensive line or the running back production, I think, finished twelfth overall in the NFL. So running back production was was pretty solid, and their offensive line's also pretty solid. You know, they they picked up uh, two guys last year. And then this year they added some more depth to, to pick up for the loss of Joe Thomas. Uh, one guy being from Pittsburgh, Chris Hubbard, who plays right tackle, who I think is going to uh, be the, one, the starter there as well. I think the starter goes like this from left to right. Sean Coleman, I think, is the guy that takes over for Joe Thomas. He has been working with Joe Thomas, or Joe Thomas has been working with him uh, the whole offseason. And I think he's even still been in the building, from my understanding, helping him out. Joe Batonio is a veteran now and plays guard. J.C. Treader, I, th- I might double-check that. I thought he was the center that they picked up last year. Kevin Zeitler and then Chris Hubbard. Uh, they drafted Austin Corbett, who was keep, also from Nevada, like Batonio. Yeah, keep your eyes peeled on him, man, because he might be one of those guys coming out of Nevada. He was more of a versatile prospect. So, oh, yeah, to play anyway. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, he might be one of those guys that's kind of like the wild card that – you know, he could slot in and play guard for you guys, or he could even overtake a, a tackle role, even that right tackle spot. So that's yeah. going to be one for the Browns, you know, for Browns fans to keep an eye on. Yeah. Um, I, I kind of, I'm high on him. I, I watched a little bit more film on him and I really oh, like it brings to the table. So I, I liked, I liked some of those highlights yet. Uh, you also have Spencer Drango who also plays guard and then Greg Robinson, who interesting story. He would use, he was a former second round overall pick and at left tackle hasn't really lived up to the hype at all. So, Browns got him. They're going to try him out. And, I mean, worst-case scenario, you cut him. You know, he's not the guy that everybody thought he was. Best-case scenario, he ends up being know, a stud. Saving his career out. and, yeah, becoming a stud. So, you have some depth there. 
I'm not worried about the offensive line at all. You're never going to replace Joe Thomas, right? So I don't even worry about it, you know? And uh, I think they're going to be okay on the offensive line side of things. Yeah, I mean, they they weren't – it wasn't a horrible unit last year. I mean, Cam Irving was a little bit of a disappointment. Oh, yeah, well, that, guy, that guy's good. Uh, yeah, so, you know, that's kind of like – that was like one of the things. So, you know, I had, I had actually kind of decently high expectations for the offensive line for the Browns last year. And, you know, Joe Thomas gets hurt. And, you know, you got some things that didn't pan out the way you were hoping that they would pan out. Um, so, you know, it was kind of a little bit of a disappointment from the offensive line standpoint. But really like Joel Petonio when he brings to the table. really like J.C. Treader when he brings to the table. Um, you know, from a tackle standpoint, I feel like they got solid, you know, solid pieces there. And like I said, I, I'm really excited about uh, Austin Corbett coming in and really competing for that job. Um, it's going to be one of the things when we start hard knocks here uh, in, a, in a week or so. Oh, I forgot about uh, that. A couple of weeks, um, you know, to kind of really, yeah, really keep, keep your eyes on for that too. So, you know, there's some battles I'm going to be, you know, keeping tabs on for the Browns. And, and I think Austin, like I said, I think Austin Corbett comes in and ends up being a uh, a contributor and will definitely be vying for one of the, uh, one of the starting roles for the, for the Browns this year. And play fantasy football. I think that Browns running backs, I, I ha- where you can get them from a value standpoint, I really like what they bring to the table just because I think the offensive line is going to be a, a pretty solid unit for them. So that kind of helps contribute, you know, for that, that factor. But uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm staying optimistic about what they, what they're bringing, you know, as far as the product goes, uh, you know, at the offensive line. So, yeah. And, you know, I think also some of the issue was Isaiah Crowell last year. He, he just seemed to some like not hit the hole quick sometimes and, and did some weird things, you know? So I'm interested to see how the new running backs play with the line and what they look like and Carlos Hyde and Nick Chubb. So mm-hmm. that's something to look, be excited about. This well, year, if you're a Browns fan, how much how much do you think Tyrod Taylor is going to help assist with uh, how the offensive line looks this year versus like what Deshaun Kaiser uh, brought to the table last year? Uh, I think it'll look look a lot better. I think he'll be able to. Heck, the big thing with Kaiser is he held onto the ball way too long, and I think I think uh, Tyrod could, for the most part. I mean, there's probably going to be some times where he's running around hanging onto the ball, but I think he'll be able to get rid of it quicker. You know, he has that that experience, but um, I, I think. You know, but I, I also think Tyrod is going to get helped out by the receiving core as well. I think it's all going to kind of work together. So, but I'm excited. I'm excited to see it. Um, again, you know, I've said it over and over again. It's hard for me to make a lot of predictions, or I, you know, I I get excited, but I hold it back a little bit until I see what's on the field week one. You know what I mean? Because I don't want to get my hopes up. So, dude. You do the same thing I do. <laughs> you do the same thing I do. I have like this this optimism, and then there's like this little voice in the back of my head that just says, "Yo, pump the brakes, dude. Come on." Right, right. You, who are you talking about? You're talking about the Bills right now, you know. In your case, it's like, hey, we're talking about the Browns right now, you know. So, um, I do the same thing. Don't, don't, don't feel bad. Don't feel left out there. Oh yeah, for sure. And then the only the only other thing I wanted to touch on this is a pretty quick segment for the Browns because, like I said, it's quiet until next week when we get rolling. But uh. The SBs just aired, and Baker Mayfield won Best College Athlete. There you go. I don't know how they figure that out. I don't know who votes on that, but from, like, when I think athlete, I think somebody who can do multiple things, super fucking athletic, and, I mean, Baker's not the most athletic guy. I mean, I'm, I have a bunch of people in my head that 
could be way more athletic. That could have won that. I don't, but like I said, I don't know what they based that award on. Even. You know that's I mean? what I was. That's what came to yeah. my head. You know, but 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 yeah. Hey. Uh, as far as Browns goes, that's all I got. Yeah. Hey, you know what? Baker Mayfield was probably the most popular and polarizing quarterback coming out last year, you know, and, and just in college football in general. So when you're that polarizing as a college athlete, is that you have a tendency to pull pull those awards, man, regardless of if you think you, you think he's deserving or not. Uh, you know, that's that that helps your cause there for sure. So and that just made me think of something else to talk about in quarter four. I'm writing it down right now. But moving on to quarter three, let's take a look at the Bills offensive line. What we got? Well, uh, to say that there's question marks is an understatement there. Um, there's a lot of turnover, it seems like. Uh, and, you know, at some pretty key positions, mostly interior line, we're, we're seeing this. So Deion Dawkins is going to come in as the starter, you know, penciled in day one, uh, left tackle, which he had a really productive year last year. And uh, my boys at Cover One, like I said, they do really good work. If you guys are ever into the more XSOs and film breakdown stuff, they always do a great job. And uh, one of the things that they, they broke down was looking at Deion Dawkins' film and show some clips. And the dude is a monster. He's just he's just a hungry, nasty, just, you know, that's that's what offensive linemen are. Like, he embodies what they are. And uh, I look for, for him to take a big step forward this year. I'm really excited about his progress going into his second year in the NFL. Uh, you know, you, you kind of lucked into having the flexibility to get rid of a Cordy Glenn from last year, who I thought was a very underrated left tackle. And I think Deion Dawkins is going to step in and just be, you know, lateral movement as far as talent wise and uh, production wise. And, you know, so that you're not looking for that franchise left tackle. I think he's the guy that could just come in and, and do it. Um, moving, you know, moving down the line there, this is where we're going to start to run into the biggest question marks. You lose Richie incognito, you lose Eric Wood to, you know, studs. Uh, Richie was obviously made the pro bowl the last few years. Not that pro bowls really hold that much water anymore, but from a production standpoint, Richie Incognito, you know, I mean, these guys were part of a top three run it, rushing attack the last few years. You know what I mean? So you lose two starters uh, along the line there. I'm I'm curious to see how this shakes out because there's a lot of different options for the Bills here. Uh, John Miller is a guy that stepped in in his rookie year, played very well uh, under, under Rex Ryan and under um, – uh, shoot Greg Roman that's what it was uh you know and had had a productive season under Greg Roman's offense and then he kind of disappeared he kind of fizzled out we don't know what happened whether it was because of a scheme change or what the deal was so he's a guy I got my eyes kind of you know set on there and I think John Miller could you know definitely push uh for a starting spot whether it's at right guard or left guard um another guy to look at uh they just signed Marshall Newhouse coming from Oakland or, or LA the Raiders I should say uh going to be one of those guys that has played tackle, has played guard. So, you know, he's more of a versatile lineman who knows what's going to happen there. But he's going to be a guy that could definitely push for a starting guard spot as well. So we're going to have some battles there on the interior. Um, they picked up Russell Bodine from, uh, from Cincinnati last year. Cincinnati fans just tore this dude apart and were like, this guy just sucks, you know. Mm-hmm. And I saw some good, I saw some bad. But a guy that they have behind him in Ryan Groy is a guy that had stepped in for Eric Wood when he was hurt and played extremely well. So there's going to be a really big battle there. Um, <clears throat> I think because Ryan Groy is more of a versatile player, 
they might start Bodine and then Groy might be one of those guys that could play guard or, you know, fill in at center depending. Kind of but, yeah. So there's like, a, like I said, there's tons of question marks for this, for this unit, for the bills. And whether that's a good thing or bad thing, we're going to find out, but you know, we don't really have a lot set in stone here. Um, right guard, Vladimir Dukas started last year. Again, John Miller could come in really push for that job. Um, one of the guys that's my wild card, this is my Austin Corbett for the Bills this year on the offensive line, and that's Wyatt Teller out of Virginia Tech. Uh, the the guy, his film is just na- he's just nasty, big, strong, mauler. Um, needs to get a little bit better in terms of his pass pro, but has the tools to actually succeed in pass pro. He, he's got really good feet. Um, it's just a matter of kind of, you know, getting that lateral movement and just uh, adjusting to NFL speed and NFL rushes. But that's going to be a guy that I'm going to keep my eyes on because I would not be surprised if he comes in and wins an interior offensive lineman job for the Bills this year. Um, Just because I think he's got that potential. And he was graded as one of the better uh, offensive guards coming out in the draft this year. So that's exciting for me. And that's going to be one of the, you know, one of the battles in training camp. You know, besides quarterback, I think offensive line is my second group to watch this year as far as training camp goes. And then to round out the Bills' right tackle spot, Jordan Mills is the guy that's been manning that side, and I think he stays there. But I like what we saw um, from Connor McDermott, who's who's slated as the backup right now for right tackle. Uh, If he comes into camp a little bit stronger than he was last year, I think he could have – could easily push for a starter role, if not a, a, a key contributor as a backup. So big question marks going across the offensive line for the Bills this year. I think that this unit is a little bit more up in the air versus what the Browns have. The Browns seem to have pretty locked in starters, cut and dry, like, hey, these are the guys. I think there's one guy on this offensive line right now for the Bills that is that guy, and that's Deion Dawkins. So like I said, that's my number two group going into training camp. That's going to be – got to keep my eyes on it. I'm going to look at quarterback at number one and offensive line at number two and see see how this plays out. Well, it's so. a good thing you got McCoy. Well, for now, <laughs> depending, knows, on what, right? depending on what happens, but to, to kind of help out with that. Yeah. But, um, Speaking of which, no new developments on that situation, man. I have not seen really anything man. come out, but it's an ongoing investigation. It makes sense. Uh, as far as what I know, the, um, the victim, uh, the victim's lawyer, Sean McCoy's ex-girlfriend lawyer said that the biggest thing that they're looking at is criminal burden of proof and proving that he was involved in that capacity and the further removed they are from the, the case. And the, you know, obviously we don't have any details out, so we can't really say whether or not there's a strong case one way or the other, uh, that's going to be the biggest challenge for, for them. And I don't know how that impacts the league's decision on what happens to LaShawn McCoy, but I really think the league is kind of slow playing this because they want to make sure that the legal process plays out. And if they get – like some of these guys that get suspended, I feel like behind the scenes, like there's a, there's a settlement. We don't hear about the settlement. Charges yeah. are dropped. League hears, hey, there was a settlement because this happened. Guy gets suspended, right? Yeah. In this case, I I don't know that there's ever going to be a settlement. And if there isn't, I think the league is then kind of slow playing this as 
let's see what the legal process is here and what they find out. If they find out he's innocent and there wasn't a settlement, maybe we don't suspend him at that point. So yeah, but there's, there's just, there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff that we don't know and we haven't heard and I haven't heard on yet. So we'll see. Fingers crossed that he can play, but Hey, if it turns out that he was involved, like I, like I said, man, his Jersey is getting tossed. Like it's, yeah, there's no room in the NFL. Right. So right. Uh, we shall see. I'm I'm gonna keep my eyes peeled, and I've been looking for that every day, pretty much yeah. since this came out. So, well, you know, Zeke got to play a lot before he got his suspension. So, who knows? Maybe maybe McCoy. Even if right now, like we don't know, he's maybe he'll make it and play a couple of games. I don't know. Well, and that's and that's one of the things too. You know, like I said, I think that's why the NFL slow playing this is that hey, we're gonna wait until the legal process plays out. If it plays out and we see that he's innocent based on the legal findings and everything like that. And their investigation, their own investigation that they're doing, if they see that they don't have substantial evidence to say whether or not he did it, then, you know, how can you suspend a guy for that? Uh, I feel like there's things behind the scenes that we don't hear about. That's what leads to some of these suspensions. But, you know, if it's all shakes out the way that, you know, I, I, that we're talking about that I don't see how you could suspend them. But, you know, if there is something that goes on behind the scenes that we don't hear about, but the NFL knows about, then yeah, absolutely. You lay, you lay a suspension down and, and that's just what it is. So. Yeah. Well, another waiting game for that as yes. well. More waiting games, right? Always yeah. forever. Is that, is that everything you got for the bills? Um, the only other thing I had is kind of a funny story that, uh, um, uh, I saw as an article was uh, the Bills uh, brass. So they had, they went out, they were, it was during like draft season and they were going out like, you know, finalizing draft boards and what have you. And they wanted to go out and scout a couple more quarterbacks. And, you know, they had their idea of what guys they want and, you know, where they're going to be and everything like that. And there was a really good article that came out with an interview with Brandon Bean that kind of laid out the process that happened. And, he told a story and I thought it was kind of, kind of scary. Cause I'm deathly a fear, like afraid of flying. Like I hate flying. Like you pretty much need to put my ass under, like <laughs> give me some chloroform. Let me, you know, just sleep it off. But, uh, they were talking about, they were on their way to see, uh, Josh Allen play in, uh, in Wyoming and they were on their private jet heading out that way. And when they got over the Rocky mountains, they hit something called an air wave, uh, that was like right over top of the mountains. And it happens frequently over the Rockies and a lot of plane crashes and things that happen uh, are because of severe uh, turbulence and uh, varying densities of air that are over the mountains. So Brandon B was talking about how they were flying this, you know, in this plane ride and they're all trying to watch film and like, you know, kind of get their, their notes together and everything. And then all of a sudden the plane, they felt like, you know, I, I, I'm going to just pretty much sum it up by saying like a maraca bead and on side of maraca being shaken, like they're bouncing off the top of the, the plane and they're getting shook around and stuff. And uh, he's like, I look over and the, and Sean McDermott, the head coach is just like real calm, you know, on the phone with his family, uh, Brian Dables on the phone with his family, but they also got the tablets in their hands trying to do work. He goes, the, the bill's owners over my shoulder trying to talk to me about, you know, uh, Josh Allen and what we like. And he's like, all I know is that I must've looked terrified, like deer in the headlights look because you know, it's just a terrifying experience, but you know, they made it out and he's like, he even joked around. He's like, so when we fly back out, can we like fly on the other side of the Rocky mountains, like meet the plane somewhere over here and fly out. So, okay. uh, kind of an interesting story and just a really cool insight into everything that these guys do and to leading up to the draft and, and, you know, putting together draft boards and things. So, but it's kind of a scary situation, but, uh, also a very interesting, interesting story. 
and obviously the article's out there. So go ahead and if you guys get a chance, uh, you can go ahead and search. I forget who posted it, but go ahead and search it and read it. It was kind of an interesting insight. I just think it's kind of funny that everybody's all calm. All the coaches are calm and shit, and that guy's like flipping out. You know what I mean? It yeah, just, like, like I, it would be funny to see. You know what I mean? Like, dude, my I'll tell you one thing. If it, if it was me, my ass would be like hyperventilating like I, it would it would not be a pretty sight but i'm already afraid of flying anyway i'm pretty much on the verge of hyperventilating every time i step onto a plane to begin with so uh everyone always asks me like why are you so afraid of flying i have no idea don't ask me why it's just it's just a weird weird fright that i have i don't know i just i can't do it i used to, i never really thought about it too much until like recently like when that southwest plane went down because i usually fly southwest now like when i go on the plane i'm like I like trying to think about it. I'm like, all right, if we go down, pretty much fucked, you know, well, that's it, man. Like you have no control over it. Like you're pretty much, that's it. You're done. Right. Um, you know, but that, that, that terrifies me. Like, I think it's probably just like a controlling your own destiny thing. Like if right. I'm driving down the road, I somewhat have control over, right. I have control over the vehicle. I can control what I can control, which is nice. Cause I'm in some sort of control and an airplane. It's just like, Nope. Yeah, all right. And you throw you throw all that out the window pretty much. Are you so. that guy that gets on the plane and orders like seven shots of something and uh no, I'm the guy that has popped one and a half Dramamine before I get on the plane. <laughs> so by the time I actually get in my seat, I'm like drooling on myself, you know, like yeah. you know, so that's me. Um so I'm no problem uh to anybody on the plane. Like, you know, I don't even think I could eat snacks or whatever if I even get on on one. That's funny. So that's me. That's how I fly. So Nice. But yeah, that's pretty much it, man. I don't really got much else uh, other than, you know, uh, what we talked about for the Bills. So. All righty. Well, moving on to quarter four. I'm, first, I'm going to talk about the, what popped in my head a little bit ago when we were talking about uh, athleticism. Uh, I had this thought the other day. And talking about Lamar Jackson going to the Ravens and what that is going to be like in the future – the thing I wanted to bring up, though, is, like, you you see guys that were similar to Lamar, right? Like, I would compare Mariota to him a little bit when Mariota was at Oregon. Oregon's team was obviously a lot better than what Lamar had. But you see these guys that are super athletes, and they play quarterback, and they get to the NFL. RG3 is one of them. And as soon as they – like, Mariota's been banged up a little bit. He's had some injuries. Mm-hmm. He's not as fast as Lamar. But it's still a pretty pretty fast quarterback. RG three was probably up there. I I question, you know, Lamar's gonna get hit, right? You would you would assume. I mean, it happens right. to all the quarterbacks. So right. it's all about if he can stay healthy, but you know, it's it's something to keep an eye on whenever he does get some playing time, you know, because you know, wh- besides Michael Vick, I mean, a lot of these athletic quarterbacks haven't lasted very long. Well, I look at it this way, man. People don't realize it, but Aaron Rodgers is an extremely athletic quarterback and has been extremely productive outside of the pocket, moving and throwing on the run, uh, picking up yards with his feet. He's been getting Um, beat up lately, though. Well, he's also thirty. He's also on the you know on the plus side of thirty too. So I mean, you know, that's that's something that not very many people realize. Like Aaron Rodgers was a very good athlete coming out of college and into the NFL, and he's been able to make a living rushing and uh, and throwing the football, uh, guys like Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson had a little bit of a setback with an ankle injury, but he's an extremely athletic quarterback and is sure. 
you know, played a lot of games. So it's hit or miss, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, that makes sense. I feel like there's, I feel like there is like a big misconception on running quarterbacks are more susceptible to get hurt. And I don't think, besides Cam Newton, uh, I don't really think that there's a lot of quarterbacks that have designed packages, you know, in the NFL that out of out of bases that you would see like you would see in college. So I, I mean, right. obviously that's scaled way back. But yeah, you run a read option with a guy like Lamar Jackson. And Lamar's and not very big. Cool. Like at least you at know? least Russell Wilson's pretty thick, you know what I mean? Like and Cam's well, massive. Well that's the thing, you know, like that that helps, but at the end of the day it's all about how smart you are and how how you go about your business when you are determined to be a runner versus a, you know, a passer. Right. Right. And that's what a lot of these guys need to really realize. Like, you know, Deshaun Watson was that guy last year. He, you know, he was extremely productive outside the pocket and made plays and you know, it was unfortunate. His injury didn't even happen in a contact, you know what I mean? In a contact yeah. drill. It was, he was rolling out and he tripped on you know, grass or something. Right. Or tore an ACL. Right. Teddy Bridgewater was in the same deal. You know, yeah, Teddy Bridgewater was a pretty athletic guy. So like, that's that's something that kind of like I feel like there's a pretty big misconception with it, but at the end of the day, you have to be more. If you are a running quarterback, and that's a tool that you have in your bag that you can pull out during a game, you just need to be very cognizant about the consequences of not being, you know, not being smart about what you're doing. And, and by that, I mean get out of bounds. Like your job is to throw a football. You're, you are the most important player on the, you know, on the field for the offense at any given time. Don't take unnecessary hits, you know, live to fight. I mean, it's, it's the cliche stuff, but it makes sense. And it's legit, like live to fight another day, right. you know, like the, you're out here. You, your value is way more than just, I picked up six yards and, you know, took a huge hit. Like you, your value is much greater than that. So I don't, I don't necessarily know that that's going to be as big of an issue. Now, you know, freak, freak accidents happen. People get twisted up in a pocket, things like that. But all quarterbacks take sacks. All quarterbacks have that stuff, you know, that freak stuff that happens. You know, you get twisted around, tear an ACL, something like that. Like that, that's inevitable. But I don't necessarily know that there's – because you're a running quarterback, there's something that correlates more for – running quarterbacks versus traditional pocket passers. So do you think they'll use Lamar this year at all for like a certain package? Honestly, man, they, they might throw him in. He might, depending on how Joe Flacco looks like he might actually just get into game situations and be a starter anyway. Um, I saw some good film on him, you know, uh, from, from camp and, and some of the things that they were doing. And I really, you know, just making good throws, making right reads, uh, you know, that was one of the things that people thought, like, the guy the guy doesn't seem like he has the football intelligence. But at the end of the day, you know, I mean, he's a quarterback. He was he played in a pro system in college. Like, I, I feel like it'll translate pretty well to the NFL, and I, I don't necessarily know. Uh, I think people you know, just th- – I think people think that they like, hear him talk and they, they – they, he's got that thick southern, like, accent. You know what I mean? It doesn't come all, super clean. I think that's all – people just hear it and they think, oh, he's it, not it, smart. It, well, that's what, you know, that's part of it too, you know, and, but at the end of the day, I, I don't necessarily, we don't have access to his, his in-depth right. knowledge, like, you right. know what I mean? But I, I don't necessarily consider that a, a hindrance. Um, you know, that's, I, I think he could come in and contribute to an NFL team. I, I, I think his athleticism gives him, you know, a leg up. I, that's, you know, if he can make the throws and you are also a, a good athlete, 
don't be surprised if Lamar Jackson gets into game action this year uh, as as a starter. Not necessarily because Joe Flacco got hurt, but just because he beat Joe Flacco in camp. But That'd you know what? Interesting. One of the things, uh, kind of just you know, to, to round that out, one of the, the important intangibles that Lamar Jackson has brought to the table is the fact that I feel like. Joe Flacco is doing way more this offseason than he's ever done in the past mm. because I feel like Joe Flacco thinks his job is in danger and he's in jeopardy of losing that starting position because they drafted a quarterback in the first round. Right. And that's only going to help Baltimore. Yeah. Joe Flacco's doing that and he doesn't feel like he's safe. You know, he's not – he might be a 10-year quarterback, but who knows, man. Like, I, I feel like that intang- – that, that factor alone has sparked Joe Flacco. So – you know, if you're if you're a Ravens fan, look at it as a positive, and just kind of keep your eyes out because, I, like I said, I think I think Lamar Jackson could definitely push for starting play, you know, starting time towards the end right. of the year. So I think so too. Uh, one thing I wanted to bring up is this is funny. So Thursday here in Phoenix, Arizona, at the Cardinal Stadium, they had a soccer game, Manchester United. Versus Club America, America, which doesn't make sense. I'm confused by the name because the team's actually in Mexico. It's one of Mexico's clubs, but it's called Club America. I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me. But anywho, um, I was watching this soccer game. First time I've ever been to a soccer game. My buddy was in town. He's like, hey, I got tickets to this game. You're coming. I'm like, okay. And then I didn't even think about it. I'm like, man, one, I don't really watch soccer. I've never watched it before besides the World Cup in 2014. And, uh, but yeah, I was like, yeah, fuck it. We'll see. We'll see what it's like. You know, definitely different compared to, you know, other sporting American events you probably football. went to. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy because we, I mean, we, first of all, we had really good seats, but, uh, you know, it, it's crazy because yeah, it's continuous play. Like they, you know, they don't stop for shit, you know, unless a goal scored or whatever, but like for being something that, people are moving around like constantly. It's still not the most entertaining thing to watch. You know, that's interesting. Except some of the acting that goes on that we've joked about numerous before. Times. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> so a lot of these players could be actors, man. And it happened in the, in this game, there was a couple guy. the guy didn't even get hit in the face. They saw it on replay and like, he like fakes it. And it's like, dude, come on. Like, what are you doing? Like, do you think you would save so much time? Cause a lot of, a lot of times what happens, those guys like fake it, fake a, a foul or whatever, they don't get touched, and then they're complaining to the ref, and then it's such a fast-paced game that, like, you're kind of hurting yourself defensively. Like, just get up and fucking play. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, right. I don't understand. Do you think that your perception on that is based on the venue that they held it held it at? Um, what do you, mean? you know what I mean? Like, well, I think I, say, what if what if that were actually held in Mexico, or what if that were actually held in? England, like, and you attended that, do you think that your perception would be different on how exciting it was? Or do you think it's just I mean, because of the sport itself? It's a possibility, but I just think, like, like you know, and this is a biased opinion completely just because we grew up playing football and stuff like that. Um, I think what makes football fascinating, American football, is the fact that you don't necessarily have to score points or anything for it to be exciting because there's big plays that happen, you know what I mean? A tackle or, you know, an interception, you know, that kind of thing. And I, I don't know, but these people go crazy over fucking soccer, man. And it's, it's just, it's interesting. It's different. You know, it's definitely a different sport for sure altogether, you know, 
the 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 environment. I will say that there's some there were some hot women that were there. That's for sure. Hey man, there you go. Uh, I look at it like look at look at the World Cup, right? And there was a lot of you know like Croatia, for example, after right, the World right. Cup after they lost, like the unity in the country and everything, and like how it united and kind of kind of sparked that nationalism for them. And it was it was cool to see, right? And that's why I brought up the the environment because I feel like if you had attended that game in England and you watch Manchester United play versus uh, Team America there. It probably would have like, been crazy. It probably would have, but you probably would have been like, dude, this was awesome atmosphere. Like, yeah. you know, just the people, everything like that. Like, I, I feel like because we don't have the exposure right. or just the, you know, it's not as popular sport in America. I feel like because of that, you know, you attend a soccer game in America versus elsewhere, anywhere yeah. else in the world. I feel like, yeah, maybe your experience won't, isn't going to be as fun at that point, but right. I mean, I'd go to a game – if it was England, I'd, I'd be cool with it. But if it was anywhere else, you know, you see some of those countries where you go to a soccer game and, like, you have a 50-50% chance of being killed. Yeah, I right. wouldn't go to those places. Yeah, no, yeah, I mean, like, that sort of stuff, right. But Just for being on the losing side, you know. I don't know. I think, I think it would be – I think it would just be fun to go to one. Like, you know, you go to France and, and watch the World Cup, you know, the World Cup finals with that. Like, like yeah, it would just be a little different, though. Yeah, yeah, it is for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's probably more – there's probably, probably more attention. More yeah. Yeah. But you know, I, I feel like, I feel like as in America with different, I mean, obviously different sports are more popular basketball, football, you know, that sort of deal. Uh, baseball, like because our perception on those sports, we held those in so much higher regard and, and soccer right. kind of comes as a secondhand sport, essentially. Um, you know, maybe, maybe that, that plays into it. That's because well, you know, think that way. I saw a debate. Uh, a guy I go to, I work with, you know, he was debating a friend because he said something about football season. And the friend's a big soccer fan. He was ranting about the ratings and how worldwide, like soccer's best sport ever, blah, blah, blah. And, um, you know, there's some different, some, some arguments that can be made that my buddy that I work with brought up a good point. He's like, look, he's like, any country, as long as you have a ball, you can make some fucking goalposts out of whatever. You can play soccer, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Not, not every country can play football because it's expensive the pads like all that stuff so i get it from that standpoint like soccer is a very easy sport to play yep. in terms of what you actually need to play the game right right so you know i kind guess of similar from a worldwide standpoint right kind of similar to hockey too like hockey is almost oh, yeah. the same way but yeah i i don't know man i i tried to get into soccer and it was uh it's an interesting sport to me i, I one year. yeah i mean I don't know. I played, I, 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 played, never, I played one year when I was eight, and then after the season, I told my mom I don't like to run. I don't want to play, so I stopped playing. Well, that's part of it. I'm I'm a fat ass myself, and it's <laughs> like it's tough, man. Like running. That's why I played offensive line, and why I enjoy playing offensive line. It's like I get to just like kind of push on people, and I don't have to run. This is terrific. So yeah. that's that's why you know why that position fit me so well. So, but so I sent you an article. By the way, you did. On punting. Speaking of kicking balls, <laughs> yeah, on, on punting and repercussions of punting in the NFL and college, and they w- were talking about in this article to make football a little different and exciting, I guess, on deducting a point. Every single time an offense tries to punt a football. And this article to me, it's an interesting discussion. 
I wanted to get your thoughts on what you read and whether or not you actually agree with this. Um, for everyone that knows, SB Nation posted this, uh, written by Ron, Ryan Nanny. Um, check it out. The article is an interesting, interesting article, um, and I wanted to get your thoughts on it. Yeah, I uh, was reading it, and it was definitely a, a different uh, th- way of thinking when it comes to comes to the you know the game. And I was reading it, and I was like, man. It would be kind of interesting. I mean, the, the, potentially for low scoring games, this would put people in negative points. <laughs> right. Imagine if someone won a game like negative two to negative three or some shit. Like it'd be right. crazy. You know what I mean? But it, it sounds kind of the whole concept sounds really weird. But I mean, it would make it kind of exciting because every time you're punting, you're losing a point. So then it might have teams be like, you know what? We're going to go for it on fourth down more often and you know it's going to go either way like i i understand like from uh an entertainment standpoint uh what that would do i'm not totally against it you know what i mean but it's interesting for sure so i have trouble wrapping my head around it i think it's an interesting discussion i i don't necessarily know from a practicality standpoint how you could implement that and what it would do to score effects specifically uh, inside of a game atmosphere. The problem I have with it is that I feel like what they're doing or what they're trying to say is, is that punting is a problem in football. And I feel like with all the analytics that are out there, there are certain situations that you don't want to punt in, but at the end of the day, your offense is, you know, hey, you, you've been moving the ball, you haven't had any problems, and then it gets down to the end of the game, you know. If both, like, if it's a high-scoring game, for example, and you get down to the end of the game and you're like, shit, I couldn't get a first down here and I'm in my own territory, you know, the that detracts from a last-second drive that a team could have. Right. You know what I mean? Like, what's look at the Super Bowl this last year, right? Like, there was, it came down to the wire. There was another chance for a team to, to you know – go out there and score like it takes away from that aspect like hey i'm up by one point if i go for it here guess what they're automatically in field goal range and that's that's it you know what i mean it's pretty much game over because i could punt and tie the game or i could go for it and if i don't get it then guess what you know they're in field goal range if i'm on you know my you know negative side of territory but right to me i don't necessarily know that we need to change it i i do understand i understand the premise of Coaches make stupid decisions when it comes to punting. I'm not, I'm not, uh, you know, like right. if you're in plus, if you're in plus territory and it's fourth and two, like go for it. You know what I mean? Especially depending on game situation and game flow. Like, like there are certain situations that you go, the analytics say that my success rate here is going to be better than my success rate of punting the ball and giving the offense of, you know, uh, a chance to score with this amount of time left, whatever the case might be. Like there are certain percentages and there's certain analytical uh, analysis and data analysis that points you in a direction. So like, to be honest with you, this, I don't think, I mean, I think it's an interesting change and it could be a very interesting way to go about the game, but I don't think it needs to be implemented. And I don't necessarily need, think you need to change the game of football that much from a safety standpoint. Yes. But from just a, you know, fundamental standpoint, fundamental aspects of the game, you know, coaches that punt, 
and do it the wrong way and don't use the analytics, guess what's going to happen? They're going to have less success. And eventually that's going to lead to them not having a job. So really, you know, you don't need this to deter teams from punting. You just really need the results of a game or of a season to yeah. deter that. You know what I mean? So coaches that don't use these, the analytics to help support their decisions more than likely aren't going to be employed as a head coach for very long. So cool premise. I understand what they're going for. I just don't think from a fundamental aspect of what the roots of the game, like th- that we need to essentially eliminate this part of the game. Yeah. I mean, I, so. you know, and plus it's not like, like you said, it's not like a problem. Right. So right. I if, love the game. I love the game as it is. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't, right. the only thing I would say like that would be kind of cool is a, if, if a kicker can fucking hit the uprights on a kickoff, maybe you want to give them like some points. Maybe. Anymore I though, feel, I feel like all of them could probably do that though. Well, especially now that they moved it five five yards closer. You know what I mean? Oh, like yeah, guys yeah. were able to do that pretty much on the old kickoff rules, and then they moved it five yards closer a few years ago, and now it's definitely feasible. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I don't necessarily see punting as part of a problem in the game of football. You know, if if your team is losing and you have a problem with how the coach handles punting, guess what? You know what? He's probably not going to be coaching for very long, and hopefully they hire somebody that doesn't feel the same way about it. If, if you're, you know, in that strong of opinion. So, right. You know, that's just one of the things that I don't necessarily think needs to be changed all that much, but it's a cool premise. I'd it love is. to see it in action one year just to see how it changes the game. It's a, but It's a cool debate. Yeah. I, I just don't think it needs to be permanently implemented. For maybe, sure. maybe, maybe Vince McMahon read that article and is going to implement that in the new XFL. No, dude, he could do whatever the hell he wants to, man. Like, that's going to be, you know, that's, hey, let's make it as different from, you know, as similar but as different as we can from normal football. And, hey, we'll let the popularity talk, you know, speak for itself at that point. Absolutely. But, uh, yeah, I think that's pretty much uh, all I have for, for today. What, what, what are you going to – I know we talked about it beforehand. So, next week we'll, we'll, we'll be doing a podcast probably, probably later in the weekend since camp starts – next friday thursday. Maybe, yeah maybe, thursday and friday right maybe saturday we can uh do, do a little do recap it. of the first few days and yeah and then after that i actually fly out on the 29th and i go to madison wisconsin for the crossfit games doing some video stuff out there gonna eat some cheese out there oh watching, no i forgot uh, never mind watching the uh you know the f- most fittest people on the planet and you know see other fit people to make me feel more shitty about myself because uh, everybody's so goddamn jacked there. Why do you think I, I stay inside all the time? <laughs> <laughs> uh, now there's some beautiful women that walk around that place. Let me tell you, but, uh, and then you're going back to Buffalo, right? I'm heading back home this weekend uh, or this upcoming weekend. Um, got a family reunion. So I get to just kick it with my crazy family and it'll be a good time. So good deal, um, good deal. And we'll I might try to get one of the family members on, try to get my brother on, and we'll do a we'll do a little podcast and uh, you know, get his opinions on what's going on during camp and you know, just kinda just kind of break everything down and see see what it's like to see how much different we feel and look when uh football's finally back in our lives. Oh, it's gonna be it's gonna be great. I cannot wait. And for you fans out there listening to us, let us know what uh, you want to see next week during camp or if you have, you want anything, anything football related, Brills, Browns, general, NFL, whatever. General, yeah, absolutely. What's your thoughts? Anything we've talked about today, tweet us at Bills Browns Pod. Uh, we're on Instagram now. 
also at Bills Browns Pod. And then you can follow us on Facebook at Bills Browns Breakdown. And yeah. Tell us to subscribe. Subscribe to YouTube. I'm sure uh, we got to get some videos up. But I do. I need to put some more up there. Um, getting this thing going. We're expecting a big season two here. So it's going to be great. Can't wait. Super excited. Got anything else? I'm good, man. I think, I good. think we covered it. I'm good. I'm good. Tune in next week. We will be back for another episode of Bills Browns Breakdown. Y'all be sweet. And remember, go Bills, go Browns.